Hey, everybody, this is Robert Mason from Warrant and the End Machine, and you are listening to the Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 319 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here, as always. This week, we've got all kinds of great stuff going on because we've got our anniversary of this podcast. We've got some good stuff to talk about, some great music coming up, and we've got Robert Mason joining us. Yes. That's very cool. That's I, I'm I'm thinking that's definitely one of those guys we've mentioned here or there that we'd love to get on. Glad we finally did. Even before he was in Warrant, absolutely, we, we both loved him. Yeah, uh, since we were kids, uh, and uh, anything this guy does, I listen to his voice is just uh, his voice is just perfect to me. Yeah, and I know it, and it's just every time. I hear that voice. I'm like, oh yes, okay. I'm in. I'm in for something cool. Uh, so, and then he joined Warrant, and my head exploded. Um, <laughs> right. You know. So th- this is. Um, it was uh, quite an honor, and he was a great interview. Absolutely. Yeah, he had a ton to talk about because he's got a brand new album that just came out about a month ago that we'll talk about here in just a bit. First, we got to let you know we are sponsored by a few different places. One of which being. Sunset Tattoo, right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Their tattoos are done, get them proper. They're state licensed. They're mother approved. If you give Jake a call or shoot him a message, you can set up a time to talk about what work you need to get done. You can go to Sunset Tattoo Tulsa on Facebook or Instagram to see photos of all his work. Hell, you can go to our Instagram to see at least a single photo of his work because he did a tattoo for me. And I'm very happy with it. And other people have said that they think it's great. So there's you a good solid plug for Jake. And we know several musicians around town and several touring musicians that have had him tattoo them as well. So give Jake a call at Sunset Tattoo and tell him that you heard about him here. Also, we've got Med Farm, a dispensary in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. They are cannabis with a cause. 30% 30% of their proceeds go to build no-kill animal shelters. That's like an amazing, an amazing thing that we're very happy to talk about here. They've got a drive through If you call ahead or text ahead, you can place your order and get over there to pick it up. Get in, in and out quick. Leafly.com is the website where you can see all of the info or all of their selection, which is a pretty large selection. You can find them on Facebook at MedFarmPHRM. Instagram, MedFarmOK, and their website is MedFarmOK.com. Hella Hot Hot Sauce is a hot sauce company based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. They make small batch artisan hot sauces. They collaborate with a lot of musicians. In fact, we've had a couple of them on here. Ghoul has a sauce called Brain Jerk. Florida Frank from Hate Breed has a sauce called Florida Frank's Florida Heat. And even Techno Destructo, formerly of Gore, has a sauce that we recently Got a hold of some of them, and that shit is amazing. It's fucking awesome. I yeah. love it. It's Garlic Death Grip, and <laughs> that's a great name for it, because it is heavy on the garlic, and I can tell you, personally, I love everything heavy on the garlic. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. it, it works, totally. Yeah. <laughs> HellahotHotSauce.com, you can buy it all, and they'll ship it anywhere. If you're on the West Coast, there are a lot of stores out there as well, so check that out, and let them know we sent you. And finally, we've got DEB Concerts, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They bring a ton of great shows to the downtown Tulsa area, and they also book the Roadhouse stage every year in Oklahoma. That, that announcement will be coming shortly in the next few weeks, and we'll be talking about the bands playing Doug's stage there once that announcement comes out. But in the meantime, we can let you know that Lita Ford will be returning to the Ideal Ballroom in downtown Tulsa to put on a show on June 26th. That show will be opened by Straight Shot, and it will be hosted by the one and only Eddie Trunk, who hosts a lot of the shows at the Ideal Barroom. So get out there, meet Eddie Trunk, and check out a show at the Ideal Barroom, which is an amazing venue. They've always got great shows. DEBconcerts.com. You can get ticket info there. You can be kept up to date on any of the previous shows that got postponed or any upcoming shows as well. And we'll, of course, keep you updated here as well. All right, so as we mentioned at the very front of this, six-year anniversary of this podcast. Right happened just in the past few days. I didn't look at the exact date. I think it was like May 12th yeah. or 14th. 
<laughs> so about a week ago was the official date, but we're calling it this week. We've got a contest going on on our Facebook page where you can win all of our merch and swag and a brand new copy of Rob Halford's autobiography, Confess, which is really cool. And we also, last night, if you're listening to this the day it came out, on Wednesday night, we had a live stream, which was the first one of those we've done since last summer. Right. Where we go over a lot of the stuff about the, you know, six years of the podcast and all kinds of current goings-on. Current current going-ons, is that the way you say it? Goings-on. Goings-on, going-ons. Going-ons. I don't know. <laughs> current happenings, how about that? Yeah, there you go. Way better. <laughs> yeah. But six years is a is a long time to do anything, and I don't know that we stuck with it. So here we are, three hundred nineteen episodes later. Right, pretty cool feat, I think. It is. It is. Some somehow you put up with me. You haven't <laughs> kicked me out of this shit yet. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, we were putting up with each other for many more than six years previous to that. So since first grade, motherfucker. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it seemed like. <clears throat> I think some if two people got into a podcast that didn't know each other that well and lasted six years, that would probably be even a better feat than what we did, just right. because we know each other and know how each other works. So. Exactly. And we're both fairly laid back and can make this shit happen. Yeah, I think and, so. I mean, and it's really cool, I think, about the fact that Robert Mason is on this episode, because I did not look it up. I meant to. Do you remember what number Joey Allen was? was no, it was super early in the in the whole thing. Yeah. And that was my point, is that Joey Allen from Warrant was the first kind of major artist we had on the podcast. Right. We had Battlecross on, you know, which I consider, you know, major in the world of metal. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I'm talking like major where the mainstream audience knows him. Exactly. And we've been fans since we were kids. And on the way out of that, uh, when Joey was showing us out, Robert Mason was coming in, and he introduced us. That's right. Um, and so, I mean, that's there you go. It, it's uh, full circle. Yeah, one of those full circle moments. That's right. I forgot, and we stood there and talked to him for a couple yeah, minutes. Yeah, because about, he was super nice. I keep talking to us about something while Joey went off and yeah. did something and came back. Yeah, so it was, that was cool. Yeah. So, that was episode 21, when we grew up and got our ability to drink. Right, and right. Yeah. And here we are, almost 300 episodes later. 319, 200, what, sorry, I can't even do math, 298 episodes later. All right, well, I've never been able to do math, don't feel bad. <laughs> so I think that's kind of cool that they lined up that way. Right. And another another thing of note is the first band we ever had on this podcast as an interview was episode seven with Scott Squires and Janet Jordan Squires of Down for Five and Rocket Science. And Tulsa Music Stream. Yes, and now uh, our our compatriots and podcasting or outlets or whatever it is you want to call it media. Yeah. And since that lines up as well, we thought, why not play a down for five song on this episode? Just kind of make everything tie everything together. Of course. So let's do it. Here's a down for five song that came out in 2020 called "The Burn."
for five that song came out a little over a year ago they put out three new tracks early in 2020 that being one of them the other two unify and numbers all three great tracks i mean what do you what do you, what is your take on this i mean i've I, you know i, I really like uh, i've always liked the dynamic uh that uh, down for five has had uh heavy yet melodic um and i think it's uh and they're definitely a, a great mix of their influences. They show all that off without sounding derivative or corny. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, Syke and Jana's voices work well. We know Jana's an amazing guitar player. Uh, yeah, it's just um, it's great all around. Yeah. Yeah, the, when you say voices, and I mean... you know that. We've been huge proponents of them since day one. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the, the harmonies on this song, you know, and the other ones are, are always spectacular. What? I would assume that's Psych, Jane, and Scott all together. I don't know, but like, and I, I think you mentioned it when we played one of these songs about a year ago, is that you can see a progression too in Psych's voice, even Definitely. though he, he's always been good, but you mm -hmm. see, you know, it's just, as he's aged, it's got even more powerful. Right. And I mean, we talk all the time about how great Jane is and Scott's the same way. Like you don't hear his voice in Down for Five, but in Rocket Science, you know, I mean, he's he's progressed big time as well over the past many years. Definitely. And these are great musicians and great people. Like Jason said, check out Tulsa Music Stream. I'm sure, I'm saying I'm sure we talked about it last night. Like, I don't know that for a fact because <laughs> we're in the future. Hint, this is being recorded before that live stream happened, but we'll have talked probably about Tulsa Live. Tulsa God Music damn stream. it, you let the, you, you <laughs> fucking, you pulled the fucking... Yeah. The Wizard of Oz is just some fucking old man <laughs> right. behind a curtain. You motherfucker. Listen, people, we're not as cool as <laughs> Tulsa Music Stream or Dusty Grant or Joe Rogan where we record this shit live and just go for it. I don't think we could pull that off because we do. No, we, we have too many ums that I've got to cut out. Yeah, so. we do this goddamn. <laughs> uh, we do a gorilla. Uh, we have a little microphone if we got to do it in a fucking the cab of a car or on a patio. 
it doesn't make a fuck. You know, yeah. that's just how we get it done. Yeah, I've never I've known that we're never gonna win like audio awards and like the <laughs> audio excellence of America awards, you know, they're happening next right, year or something. Right. So it doesn't matter. But see, here's what I'm always telling here's what I'm always telling you. Yeah, I'll go off on a tangent. <laughs> it's like it's like, you know, it, you get you get kind of concerned about somebody shifting in their seat or you know, rain if we have to do it outside or the wind, <laughs> the wind like that fucking Delacoma thing. But that was crazy, though. That was the wind like you wouldn't believe. And he is legend. That was bad. Y- yeah. Um, but, but, oh, yeah, fuck. I remember that. No doubt. But anyways, but like you can listen to Joe Rogan, who was like the biggest fucking podcast in the world. And he's like, uh, hey, guys, just talk about something. I got to go piss. <laughs> So it's like, you know what? I think we're okay. That's true. <laughs> but he's going four hours. I think we would be up pissing if that was the case, too. That's some Sid Falk <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. That's that's some fucking uh, um, uh, Andy Papadopoulos shit. <laughs> right. Four hours, five hours. Yeah, okay. Eat, we're... Eat, eat your Wheaties on that shit, everybody. Yeah, here we are talking about our six-year anniversary, so we can mention a couple things. And yeah, when we talked to Andy Papadopoulos... This isn't an exaggeration. We sat there in my dining room and talked for six hours. Yep. The podcast itself ended up being two, two something. I cut it down. I didn't right. go through it all. I just kind of cut off some of the end and like different spots where I knew we kind of got out of music talk or something. I don't remember how I did it, but, and the, the thing I loved about it, same thing with Sid Falk, who was split up into two episodes mm-hmm. that was almost four hours is that both, both those things were super long, but, you never get bored listening to him talk. Right. Just stories, yeah. man. Yeah. And that's how, I mean, I guess that's how good podcasts are. That's how Joe Rogan can have podcasts that are three hours every single day. Yeah. And people listen to it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Joss does the same way. He has a lot of two-hour episodes more anymore. So, hey, we try to keep ours around an hour or an hour and a half at the most, but. When I go two hours more, I don't care. Whatever. If people yeah. are going to listen, they're going to listen. If they're not, they're not. Yeah, it's however it's got to be. Whatever. <laughs> right. Single question, since we talked about this a little more, probably on the live stream. Can you name a single favorite episode of all time? A single favorite episode? Because I can. Well, I used to uh, not be able to, but I can now. I don't... See, I don't know, because I forget... See, I'm... Uh, man, I'm... Well, yeah, I didn't go back. to look this shit up, and I never did. You didn't go back and look through it like you're talking the other day. No, no I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I, totally I meant forgot to, to as well. I forgot. Um, it, Jesus, um, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think that I, I can't. I, I cannot tell you one single episode because I've probably forgotten more about this podcast than I can remember. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and that, that's not a diss. It's just after six years. Oh well, yeah. And just the way I, the way I am, my memory. Um. I was like writing stuff down last night, and I'm like, "Holy shit, we had on Red Beach and right, right, and Matthew Nelson last exactly." <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, I forgot about that shit." We had um, Michael Scon from Dark Tranquility on this fucking podcast yeah. six months ago, and I fucking forgot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you go through the list. I, I, I think uh, for me, it can just be, you know, I don't know. If you gave me five minutes for me to go through the list, my answer might be different. But I mean, and, and I guess I could say the Gene Simmons just to be, um. You know the obvious, just for the experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. But just you know the 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 I hate gods and the COCs and um, you know Wino and just uh, Kirk. Yeah, Kirk Kirk Weinstein stuff like that. You know the the stuff that I really that really fucking gets to me and moves me and, and you know it's like holy shit, this is made for me. That kind of stuff. That's what really the Damon Johnson shit. Yeah. Um. Any of the Damon Johnson stuff. That that's the stuff that just really kind of gets me. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess that's you know a preliminary answer. But I also think there's two 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 instances that I'll always bring up, and you know this is like two. I probably do. I I am I am anyone that knows me around here and knows what we listen to and all our favorite shit. Anyone knows. There's two bands on this earth I really don't dig less than fucking Bullet Boys and L.A. Guns. <laughs> but I'll be goddamned if those weren't the nicest fucking guys 
and kind of the funnest conversations. Yeah. I mean, it, and it kind of made me feel bad. And it's like, I'm not saying they suck and I'm not saying I hate them. It's just I could never really get into L.A. Guns or Bullet Boys on a big level. But we had them on and they were fucking, they were great dudes. They were such great dudes. Um, uh, I, I am, I'm just like, what am I doing here? I'm an asshole. <laughs> uh, so those really stand out for me. They really do. Yeah. Well, my, my always, my stock answers always were Reed Mullen and, right, right, right. and Shooter Jennings. Yeah. It's like my two kind of favorite, not just experiences, but actual conversations. I mean, experiences, your Gene Simmons and probably, you know, like this, like you said, the Joey Allen thing, because it was so early and such a huge thing for us. Mm-hmm. And then even like uh, CJ Pierce, just that whole experience. Because that's another one. Neither one of us are ever big Drowning Pool fans, but the dude acted like he'd known us for 20 years, you know? Right. He had he had us on the bus and had people making drinks for us. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not I'm not sure how to react. And I've was never, having, telling us to hang out after the interview. This has never been yeah. anything on that I've done or right. experienced. I don't know what to do. <laughs> what, what do I do with my hands right here? I don't know. <laughs> but my single favorite episode is now the Eddie Van Halen tribute episode. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, just all the all the names on that. Yeah, because we got right. what we ended up with 14 different interviews on it, and just the whole process of putting it together. You know, obviously it sucks that we put that episode together, of but of course, but it just the whole it just gave me a sense of accomplishment when it was done, and even listening right. back to it, it's like over three hours long, but it's got all these interviews. I'm like, this is. This is the pinnacle right here. Yep. Whether we do anything else or not, yeah. we did this. <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah, way more about all that stuff on the live stream that happened last night <laughs> or weeks ago, if you're listening to this. And and the June, beauty part of it is you, you can go to our Facebook, it'll still be on there. Yeah. Go back and check out the live stream from May 20th, anytime you want. And you can find out us just rambling on about more shit like this. So Right. But in the meantime, Robert Mason is right. here to talk, and he's got a brand new album that came out about a month ago with The End Machine. Phase their, two. Yeah, their second album. Yep. The End Machine, of course, it started as basically what you would say Alter Bridge was, or something like that, where you right. took one band, a full member, all the members of one band, minus the singer, and added in a quote-unquote better singer. Hey, I said it. I don't think that Scott Stapp or Don Dockin are listening to this podcast. and So we're good. If they were, they might agree because Robert Mason and Miles Kennedy are decidedly better than the other. But that's not the point here. The point is... Just dig that hole, man. <laughs> dig that hole. The point is George Lynch, Jeff Pilson, and Mick Brown got together and started a new band with Robert Mason on vocals. And we even talk about this in the interview coming up that this doesn't sound like Dokken with Robert Mason on vocals. It no. sounds like its own thing. Yeah. And which is fucking great. And it's, you know, it, it's kind of like what I said. It's like, it's like what it, it's, it's modernized, but it's not modernized. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that that says it all probably without saying anything and making people yeah. go, what the fuck? But I, still, <laughs> I think a, a lot can be said for George Lynch in that, area too because this guy as much as anybody over the past five ten years has put out a shitload of music with right. different people yeah. like he's got several projects none of which ever go on tour except for what formerly was lynch mob they right. have supposedly changed their name i think to just george lynch yeah. i don't know what the what they're touring as when they do tour when that happens but i mean he's you know got kxm he's got dirty shirley he's got his own stuff he put out. He, of course, Lunch Mob albums come out. Two of these albums, two In Machine albums. I know there's other stuff. And I've seen him show up on other people's songs. And all that stuff sounds different from each other. It doesn't sound like, well, here's just another George Lynch thing where he's welling with someone else singing. It all has its own identity. Right, totally. And that's a really cool thing. And Robert Mason, of course, gives anything an identity because his voice is so great and sets itself off, you know. And like you mentioned, liking him since we were kids, we actually saw him live pretty early on in our live going concert going experience. Pretty much. 
It would have been October. It was actually Halloween. It was right? Halloween of what ninety <clears> two? <throat> yeah, which because that was the second time we saw Warren mm-hmm. when they were on the Doggy Dog tour. Lynch Mob was opening, and that's not long after Robert Mason had joined, and they put out their second album, Tangle and Rains. Yeah, with him which on. Which I love that fucking record. Yeah, that record's fantastic. If you're not familiar with Lynch Mob, past the first album, check that out. Yeah, they also put out an album. I don't remember what year, mid two thousands called Re-Evolutionized or Re-something where Robert Mason sang Dawkins songs and some of the Lynch Mob songs from the first album that he didn't sing on. And they just did re-recorded versions with him on vocals, which was pretty cool. So check that out as well. And of course, we talked about in this interview, there's three albums from the band Big Cock you can check out. Yeah. Which if you like, if you think of a rock band with that name, they sound like that. Yeah. They've got attitude and swagger. Let's just get to the main part <laughs> before I say something totally stupid. Yeah. Here is Robert Mason of The In Machine and, of course, Warrant. I haven't read much critique, to be honest with you. And uh, I was just saying this to uh, to a friend earlier. You kind of you do your job, and you get you exercise these creative demons from you. <laughs> you write some songs, record a record, and put it out there, and just hope everybody's happy. I do know from uh, some of the people that work for or at Frontiers Records that it charted pretty well, and favorable uh, sort of response from, I guess, the YouTube videos that they put out and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm always cautiously optimistic, I guess. That's probably part of my, part of my makeup, part of my, uh, part of my philosophy and my, and my attitude toward it. You know, you do your best. We thought we're proud of it. I like it. I didn't listen to it in its entirety since writing those songs uh, until maybe only a few days ago and oh. popped a CD in one of my cars. I'm like, Hey, this car has a CD player. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's <laughs> I have something new to listen to. Like, and listen, you know what, you know what I'm saying? Listening to it in running order. I had never done that until just a couple of days ago. And I, I liked it. So, you know, who knows? Well, again, yeah, that's kind of what matters at the end of the day, I think. Well, it doesn't really matter to me much. I mean, I mean, I, I'm glad I'm happy with it. Uh, how do you guys feel about it? Oh, I what love have you it. Heard? Yeah, I love both <laughs> albums so far, and big. You know, I've been a big, big fan of yours and George Lynch's for thirty years. So, I mean, I'm I'm loving what I'm hearing. Well, thank you much. I appreciate that. Well, what it's, you... uh, that's a challenge enough to stick with anything, let alone anybody, for thirty years. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's kind of a question I did want to ask. Is I mean, you've now had a working relationship with George Lynch for almost 30 years since you joined Lynch Mob originally. Like, how do you think that relationship has changed or developed since 1991, basically, or 92? Uh, we're both older and I'm wiser. <laughs> I'm Well, I'm kidding and not kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like any other... Uh, well, the writing relationship, I think, is... Uh, is something that develops and you know a person longer you spend some, we spent time in buses and airplanes on the road and hotels on stages it's a it's a common thing i would imagine for that to maybe ebb and flow it hasn't all been it's not like george and i've been the same band together for 30 years making records it's been back and forth you know uh but we we seem to have what i think is a unique chemistry and hopefully that shows. I mean, I think it really did on the first record because we tried to make that first end machine record um, kind of like a, a unique piece unto itself. It was at a time where even now, if you say, oh, the end machine, you still have to say to some people, what, who? And then, well, it's George Lynch from Duck and then Lynch Mob and then this guy and this guy and this guy. And you're like, 
you know, part of that is the explanation you have to do to a certain extent, because that's just the nature of things now. And it's a band, it's a band put together with members from other bands. So everybody's been doing other stuff, but it's got that, it's got that Lynch Pilsen musical writing chemistry that lends itself to me putting lyrics and melodies on stuff. That's, it just has a, it's got a cool ring to it when we do it, I guess, sometimes. Let's hope. I think so. Right, right. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, like you said, it's the these guys and, and you, and that's what I think is really cool is uh, it's kind of the same guys, but there's definitely, you know, the difference between the In, in Machine and Lynch Mob. And, uh, you know, talk about how you guys achieve that. And it's just interesting how that comes up like that. Well, I haven't been on a lynch mob record of all new material in uh almost 30 years so i'm not the same guy i was when i was 24 you know and i wouldn't expect that of anybody uh, so that sort of maturing process or whatever (laughs) the evolving process whatever you want to call it happens uh again kind of a joke but you know i'm i'm pretty lighthearted when it comes to this stuff uh but serious about the music and Performances are always to the utmost that we can do. Uh, we're, we're all a little longer in the tooth, as they say. Uh, you know, it's. I think with the end machine from the from the outset, we really wanted it to be its own little monster, its own animal. And on the first record, I think we took a little bit more of an approach to go outside of what people expected of us and really stretch out and be a little oh, I don't know, not obvious at all times and a little experimental maybe is a better word. Uh, You can hear our influences. You can hear the combination of musicians still. But we weren't afraid to just go, well, let's go to this other place in this song that no one would expect us to and make it a little weird. You know, not weird, but for us, what fans wouldn't maybe expect of what hardcore Dawkins or Lynch Mob fans wouldn't expect. And that was a product of us just feeling free and experimental and on that first record a little more so than phase two. And we don't want to come out with the same record every time. Like who does? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, if someone does, that's totally their thing. It's just, it's not our bag. And for us on the phase two record, we just decided to kind of tap into that, the Lynch Pilsen songwriting chemistry and, figure out why that was so popular and at the time why did it strike a chord with so many people all puns intended and those george riffs on that phase two record maybe harken back to that a little bit maybe that's where the songwriting process started for george and jeff and then uh we kicked around the instrumental versions together little edits here and there and then i kind of always sit with tons and tons of lyrics and melody ideas um, in my phone or my Mac or like on paper still every place I can write stuff down. And then we took, uh, we had zoom meetings between George, Jeff and myself this time around during the writing process where we would, I would have listened to instrumentals and then we'll all get on a zoom meeting and okay, guys throw some ideas out there. Best idea wins one, two, three, go. And instead of just me writing the lyrics and melodies, like I did on the first one, um, with maybe only a couple of little word exceptions. Uh, we all sat together and I took everybody else's ideas. Jeff Wilson came up with a couple of really good uh, chorus ideas and melodies. He's a great singer and a really musical guy. And I, I respect the hell out of Jeff in that regard, of course. And we get on so well in the studio and we're friends. Uh, no, I, I did a Warrant record with Jeff producing and then these two end machine records. So by the third record that I've done with Jeff, it's just kind of instantaneous and old hats. Like, let's go do this. Okay, cool. What melodies do you have? And I'll tell them what lyrics do you have? And I'll tell them. And then we would just go through it like that to get the best results. Uh, this time around, George had lyric ideas that, uh, that I used pieces of, uh, Jeff, like I said, had some great, great ones as well. So I wanted, I wasn't afraid to not have autonomy with that. You know what I mean? I don't have that sort of ego. I just want the best 
idea to win. And, uh, and we did that. And we got something that I think uh, you be the judge of it more than me. I'm too close. I don't have the objectivity for it. But, uh, you know, that, that gives the essence of what was cool about those Dawkins songs without feeling like it's a rehashed, dated kind of thing. We weren't, it's not pandering, but let's face it, those guys are half of Dawkins. You know what I mean? Let's, yeah. let's use that. And I was a Dawkins fan, so like, let's use all of that. So. Once again, what do you guys think of that? Because honestly, that's my best play at the at the answer to that question. Uh, yeah, I mean that's I mean that's you know right down the middle, and I really appreciate the uh, you know the the school of thought of you know what what's what I what idea is best is in as opposed to you know the ego or you know just you coming up with lyrics. That's that's a really interesting take. I appreciate that. Well, I mean melody too. You know, melody's part of music, lyrics is lyrics, and it's, obviously I'm going to sing in the key of the song, but some of my melody choices aren't always the same as George's or Jeff's, and I think we all just kind of threw our ideas down on the ground and, you know, arm-wrestled each other over a few ideas here and there, but uh, I like the challenge of that process, rather than just saying, Rather than just Jeff sending me instrumentals and saying, okay, well, here's what we came up with, uh, right to this, mm-hmm. which I did on the last record, but, and it's not like I have any short supply of things to sing about or lyrics or things I, you know, words I think are a good turn of phrase or melody because that's kind of what I do. So I know where my voice fits, but it was almost a challenge sometimes that I liked accepting when George would call me and leave a message on my answer machine or send me a text message of an audio clip of him saying, Hey, Hey, hey Robert, it's George. Um, I have a, I have a melody for this song. Let me just, let me just sing it out. And I hear him in the background playing guitar and then like lightly humming a melody. <laughs> and I go, Oh, okay. Part of that is natural to me. Part of that is something I hadn't thought of. Huh? Now, let me see how I integrate that into a song, dovetail that with what else I have, make it rhyme, make the words make sense, you know. So it's putting the puzzle together. But it's cool to have other players and their opinions. I thought, probably like a lot of people thought, when this was first announced before the first album, I'm like, well, this is just going to sound like Dokken with Robert Mason singing, because obviously you've got the guitarist of Dokken and the chief songwriters. But like you mentioned that the first one had a lot of experimental stuff and I noticed that right off and I was pleasantly surprised that it didn't just sound like, you know, a carbon copy with you on vocals, but with you writing melodies as well, well man, that's I, also going to shift I gotta, Well, yeah, and exactly. I would have never been involved if that's what it was <laughs> going to be or planned to be, or if it was planned to be that I would have done my best. It wasn't, it was obviously, it's like, like I said earlier, but man, if it if it had been put to me like that, my first instinct would have said, "Well, I mean, no thanks. I appreciate the offer, but no thanks." But if, otherwise, I would have been, "Well, what if we do this instead?" You know, and then it would have turned out the way the first record turned out for us. Is this? Some, I know a lot of these super groups like this obviously don't get out and do shows. Is this something you guys think there's ever a chance of you playing a show here or there in the future? Um, I can't say no, although with this caveat, it is horribly difficult for Jeff Pilson and myself with our respective bands and our collective schedules to make time for something like that. Um, you have to understand it's kind of like, you know, the foreigner machine, the warrant machine are sort of band crew, ancillary people. You've got shows booked all the time, promoters, fans, and then you go in your calendar and you look for the open holes and you look for spots and then you're like, God, there really isn't one in common. And it's, uh, I mean, you've got a better chance of getting an audience with the Pope at this point. <laughs> like, is he touring? What's he doing this year? Yeah, I don't know. Right. But, no, and I mean, and on top of that, all of the all of the COVID mess that kind of put us all out of commission for a year plus, all of our respective bands are itching to get back. And uh, the warrant schedule is uh, starts in early June. And just goes through the end of the year. The foreigner schedule is the same. I think they might even start in May, like sometime this month, 
So it's exceedingly difficult for us to do that. Now, that said, I won't say never. So <laughs> you hear an announcement, go <laughs> see a show because it's kind of like Haley's Comet or an eclipse or something. You know? <laughs> gotcha. Right. Well, speaking of writing and warrant and everything, like how does everything you just explained with writing this album, how does that differ from the songwriting process with warrant of the last couple albums that you've been on? Uh, really good question. I write all the time, every morning that I'm home or even in hotels, you know, now, nowadays you have all that technology between a, uh, a laptop or a phone or whatever. You can always put your ideas down in one uh, way or another. And not everything suits any style of music. I, I write on piano. I write on guitar. I write just if I come up with a melody. If lyrics come in an airport, I'll just write them down. If it sounds like a, you know, if it looks like a poem first, and then you kind of deconstruct it and put it back together. Uh, I have an English background, higher education background. So for me, writing is just a thing I love to do. I love words and trying to figure out that way to put a phrase together that doesn't sound like you've heard it a billion times before is one of my goals. Not that I always achieve it, but the warrant thing, you know, you have to suit the band. A lot of stuff that I write doesn't suit warrant. And that's, that's where, that's the impetus behind what all that end machine material was for songs that I'm like, eh, subject matter or the way I phrase it or it's just not going to work for a warrant record. So let's do it here instead. And that's why that came out that way in part. Uh, the warrant stuff I love writing for, it's a little, I don't know. It's not, it's different in that obviously I have four different guys in warrant that are you know, the musicians and Steven, the way Steven sweet sings, he's a great background vocalist. He's a great lead vocalist, but he's, he suits our band great. And he blends well with me. So when writing for that band, I think about that and I get riffs from the other guys and let's you know dixon's got an idea or turner's got an idea or joe's like anybody else has an idea it's let's all once again put all our heads together uh let me see what i can sing over this that feels good and sounds good that works with the riff or whatever the chords and let's do it so it's it's like it's like chocolate cake versus you know carrot cake they're both cakes it's just different ingredients Speaking of all that, has there been any talk about a follow-up to Louder, Harder, Faster? Uh, not as far as a defined schedule, but we're always writing. So uh, I think I really, in all candor, the focus for 2019 was the 30th anniversary of Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stink, and Rich and that tour. And then on the heels of that, September of 1990, Cherry Pie was released. So 2020 was the 30th anniversary or is, has been, for the Cherry Pie record. So in early 2020, we revamped the stage set, staging, everything. And we're all set, like one, two, three, go. Wait, we stopped, you know, to do a 30th anniversary of Cherry Pie tour, uh, playing all, if not damn near all of those songs um, as, as the focus. And like I said, light staging, the whole vibe of it was kind of to pay tribute to the 30th anniversary and all the fans uh, that, that love the Cherry Pie record so much. So I think we're just taking a mulligan. You know, we're going to, if you play golf, we're just taking a mulligan on 2020. And we're just, we're going straight in in June and, and beyond and go right forward to do 30th anniversary Cherry Pie tour. So once we feel that we've gotten that out of our system enough, we'll probably end up writing songs. Yeah, I know this was a few years ago, but I, I, I thought the uh, the professional bull riding affiliation was kind of interesting. Was that like a, how'd that come about? And was that a, a comfortable experience for you guys? Uh, it started, Jerry Dixon was enamored with pro bull riding, the PBR. And we happened upon somehow somebody met the ceo or they loved us and and they were fans of the band and that kind of thing we invite we got invited out to some pbr events and early on they said well what are we gonna could we do a theme song you know could you for them you know for pbr or, and uh sean gleason the ceo guy who's a, a dear friend of ours and 
a lot of fun at a party, by the way. He's he's the life of the party. Um, while we were doing Louder, Harder, Faster, came to us and said, well, we've got this Merle Haggard song that we'd love you to redo. Instead of doing an original song, we love this um, when I just stay here and drink. And I was familiar with it, but I had to re-familiarize myself with it. It was one of Merle Haggard's like 20 or 30 number one hits. And it was like, I think it was in the late 70s or early 80s, I guess. And uh, I was familiar with the songs. I looked at it and looked it over, listened to it a couple times. And I was at Joey Allen's uh, staying there in Southern California. When the idea came, we were recording, I think we were recording Louder Harder. We're doing pre-production for it. And I just woke up one day and after listening to it a bunch of times, going to sleep, woke up at, at, at Joey's house and plugged the guitar in to one of his amps and just started jamming along, kind of playing the chords of it and thinking, okay, how can we warrantize this? And kind of made it across between, like, I love Leonard Skinner, so I kind of went with that sort of theme of halfway between what Skinner and Warrant would do together to this vintage Merle song. Uh, and I think when we did it in the studio, I, I played it for Joey that morning. And we went in and uh, we cut it for the PBR, but they included it on Louder, Harder, Faster. We got the permission to include it. And uh, and there you go. I mean, that's each of us. I think uh, Joey, Eric, then me, or Joey, me, then Eric, the three of us taking solos. So we decided to do it in typical, like, Leonard Skinner three-guitar fashion. Each guy take a little, like, blues guitar solo run over the vamp and... Uh, and there you go. That's that song. It would, the PBR guys were really cool. They wanted us to film a video for it, which we did, and a bunch of stuff. So they've been great to us. And honestly, if, you, if you've never seen that, it's a pretty exciting thing. They have me out to do the anthem before the, uh, you know, the opening ceremonies before the bull riding events. And the riders are cool. I met a bunch of the owners, the guys that own bulls. And it's an interesting sport. Were you a fan of country at all, like Merle Haggard, like in your earlier days? Oh, yeah, man. I'm a fan of everything, honestly. Uh, I mean, I historically have gone out to Nashville to go meet with a bunch of people I know that are hardcore, like top level and all over the spectrum country writers. And I go out, I was up until this, I mean, up until the past few years ago, I was going out a couple of times a year just to go sit and write with them or to just sit on, sit in with a bunch of songwriters or go to the Bluebird and go to a writer's round and, you know listen to these brilliant craftsmen and write these songs. I noticed recently, I didn't even know that you did vocal lessons until recently. I saw something. Are you like primarily like helping people that are already experienced or do you start with beginners or how does all that work? Uh, all over the map. I've got people that are in bands. I've got people that just want to learn how to sing better. Uh, it started out of, I have to be honest, partial boredom. Uh, and I'm, I was home and I had, I've all the while I've been called in by producers to come in and uh, in the studio with a band that's recording a record in the past or ever since the early nineties to go in and do background vocals or to come in and work with the lead singer or singers and maybe tweak songs a little bit and then sing backgrounds or help them through lead vocals or whatever. So I've been hired in that respect to do uh, throughout a whole bunch of years since, like I said, since the very early nineties. And, uh, recently I'd been working with a friend who owns a studio called platinum studios in uh, Tempe, Arizona, doing some artist development with some younger musicians that are just getting started. So I was in that capacity doing that locally. And I thought, well, after doing these zoom meetings with these guys, hell, I can kind of, flex those muscles a little bit and if people want a little bit of help i'm classically trained and i've sung for a long period of time i'm not patting myself on the back too much i i'm not a perfect there are professional vocal coaches and teachers that are far and above superior to anything i could ever do but i figured i would help out people where i could and it keeps me busy it's a fun way to do it um and the zoom meetings are actually pretty enjoyable i've got a student in the uk one in romania you know it's kind of it's opened up my eyes to a lot of that sort of stuff. And it's kind of fun. Teaching is not my first inclination or my first love. I'm more of a coach 
but uh, but it's a fun thing to do. Well, I'm, I'm sure during uh, not being able to play live, I'm, I'm sure it keeps your voice in good shape. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting, and it gives you a different perspective too. I, everybody's got a different opinion about most things, so you I think you think you learn. I, you know, it's that it's that silly cliche. I learn as much as I teach. You know, you really do, and. I've gotten pretty favorable results from it. Uh, I've kept it kind of small and limited. And I, it, the, the response initially was overwhelming to me that I really had to sit with a dry erase board and a calendar like for the first time in months to go, <laughs> shit, how am I going to do all this? Okay, well, but this person on this day, these three on this day, but then like, you know. So it's been a little bit of a challenge, but pretty fun. Honestly, though, uh, I can't wait to get back to being in front of a microphone. I really can't. And out and touring and playing these songs, like doing that 30th anniversary cherry pie. What, I mean, what have you done personally besides giving lessons or recording phase two and that kind of thing to keep your voice in shape? Do you have any specific things you do on a daily basis? Uh, or drink a lot of coffee, work on my cars, ride motorcycles. <laughs> gotcha. My house has never, my house has never been cleaner. You know, like since 2008, I've been gone a lot, you know, I mean, I've been, did my first warrant show September of 2008 and, uh, 50, 60 shows a year doesn't sound like much, but you slap air travel on either side of that and maybe any days off or anything like that. And it becomes a job, but a, a really fun job. Uh, I mean, I still sing and write every day. I sat home, honestly, I sat home and played more guitar and piano than I ever have because it's all right there. I wake up, first cup of coffee, see what happens. Have you ever considered releasing any of your piano-based music under like your own name or anything? Oh, nobody wants to hear that. No, I don't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I honestly have the more the more stuff I get written and stockpiled, and then I take songs and go like what I did whatever X amount of years ago. Yeah, I'll you know backburn that because I'm really excited about something newer. There's probably going to eventually be enough to do that, or even just releasing a song or two might be fun. I'm no, <laughs> I'm no classically trained virtuoso on either of those two instruments, you know, guitar or piano, but I do play them both and kind of heavy handed and good enough to, you know, write songs on. And I do understand music enough to be able to do that. Uh, I've collaborated with other people for songs on their records. I've written with, like I said, with a bunch of uh, country guys. In fact, uh, you and my life, uh, Joe West and I wrote, and I ended up putting that on the warrant record because Dixon came up and he's like, he's like, Hey Mace, you play piano. Like, why don't we do a piano ballad? Which I hadn't really thought of for a warrant record. But if you think about it, I saw red, there you go. You know that. So that's where that came from. So, I mean, I, I can't say no. I'm not that uh, egotistical or pompous to think that I'm some sort of brilliant solo songwriter. You know, like I don't have the, I don't have the confidence that, uh, let's see, is it Noel Gallagher? Has. <laughs> right. Whereas, and I mean, no, and I recently saw a, there's a songwriters series that's either on Amazon or Prime or a Coda channel or something like that where I, they have interviews with songwriters and it's so cool to watch uh, and get other people's stories and how they came to like Paul Anka and Ricky Lee Jones, like, and, and, uh, and Noel. So I'm watching it. And first off, he's hysterically funny. Takes the piss out of everything <laughs> with that Manchester accent too. And, but you can't deny the guy is just a flipping amazing songwriter and he'll tell you. He'll tell you how good he is. <laughs> right. and it, it, but, it, but it's like, damned if he's not right. Uh, you know, I loved Oasis. I really did. And like from that songwriting perspective, and that I really did. They did something uh, pretty damn cool, you have to admit. And, you know, fans and success are a gauge of that in some respect. Yeah, you got to, anytime you get to that level, you've also got to have some sort of confidence. So some people are just better about spinning yeah. it out there, you know? <laughs> Right. Some people are can't wait to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking, I mean, you've mentioned the 
the warrant shows coming up, I mean, on a personal level, do you have any kind of reservations about everything that's been going on and health and safety and that kind of thing? Or are you just kind of ready to get back to business? Uh, not a one. I'm ready to do meet and greets. I'm ready to go tour. Like I said, my side of the microphone is my happy place. People on the other side having fun, buying into the idea that they can all forget their troubles for an hour and a half or get nostalgic about a song they loved 30 years ago or whatever. I'm in. I'm happy to be the singer. <laughs> I mean, I've, tra- I've been on airplanes. I traveled up to Denver for a session last week uh, to do it in three days recording. So, you know, I'm... Uh, I know you have to do what you have to do, but I am also hell bent on, uh, on everybody getting back to it. And I think it will come back with an absolute vengeance because everybody misses that year taken out of their lives. Yeah, definitely. Year plus, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's time. Now I'm guessing this is, is this the longest you've ever went with that plan of show since probably the eighties? <laughs> God, it feels like it, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> you know, I took a little time off, but uh, in the past here and there, I guess it's got to be. It just absolutely has to be. It feels like it, it feels like it is. Yeah, definitely a, a component missing from all of our lives. But uh, but when you're in that mode and geared to be on the road and then it's pretty much like full stop, you know, it's kind of like going from 100 miles an hour to, to locked on the brakes. Right, and then not allowed to drive anymore. Turn the car off. Give us your keys. It's if that's an okay metaphor, you know. Man, it's uh, it's an odd feeling. It was definitely assaulting to you know, physically and mentally for quite a while. Then he settled in, and you know, you figure it's going to end, and you're all going to get back to it. And now it looks like we are. Yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, I'm going to end this with Let's a... keep it positive, guys. Come on, you don't bum me out. <laughs> I'm going to end this with a with a fan <laughs> comment here. One of my favorite performances I've ever seen from a band that I had no clue about until I saw them was Big Cock. When I saw you guys in like 2007 <laughs> or 2008 at Rocklahoma, it was just balls yeah, to the wall. Yeah, that was uh, July of 08. Was that? Well, thank you. That was fun. That was 08, you said? Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah, it was July, July of 08. That was, uh, that was when I ran into uh, the Warrant guys. They were headlining Rocklahoma on that Saturday night. Yeah, I did hear that like in the next year or two. So that was kind of where you guys got kind of reintroduced and everything or reacclimated. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the short story is we were all friends. Warrant and, uh, and Lynch Mob had toured together. We supported uh, Warrant on that Doggy Dog Tour in 92, 93. So, uh, we become friends. I was friends with Janie when I was recording the Lynch Mob record. We met in 91. So uh, that was part of the reason we went on tour together. And I you know, stayed distant at times and close at times with those guys throughout the years and run into them a bunch. And But it wasn't until that day, that, that weekend at Rocklahoma that, uh, that I ran into Joey. And then subsequently the next uh, day with all the guys at Soundcheck and kind of said hi. And I guess subliminally put that in their mind i know they were having problems with janie on the road and uh you know it it just evolved from there a few months later but that bc show was fun the bc show was fun it was uh you know when you're they they graciously solicited us and asked us to fly out and and (laughs) and paid us (laughs) (laughs) to like come out and uh dave and and uh and John and John and I to come out and do a, a BC set. Kind of fun. You guys had like what, four albums or so, right? So like how was that around uh, the time three, period? Yeah. That was around a time period. Where yeah. We, uh, I think it was oh five oh six oh seven each summer. We did a record. Okay. Because we're all local, local Phoenix Phoenicians <laughs> roughly, you know, Phoenix area. So, um, David asked me to participate with that early on, and uh, we did the first one, and then we did another, and then we did another. He's like, I have more songs. You can help me with the writing. Come on, let's do a third one. So, yeah, we did those. Uh, those were total DIY, you know, guerrilla recording on laptops and hard drives in your houses and your bathrooms and your, like, my piano in my house. We tracked songs and Dave's studio, and it was kind of fun. 
it was a lot of fun. We, uh, we did a lot of fun shows. Interesting band. Like if you get the joke, you get it. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's hard to, t- yeah, it's hard to tell people about it without like prefacing what you're about to say. You know, you can't say I love big cock or have you heard big cock? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. There's always, there's always, I kind of, we're kind of throwing it at you. There's a disclaimer involved. You have to, you have to be of a certain mind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we definitely appreciate you taking this time with us this evening. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it uh, very much. Yeah, you know, uh, do all you can to spread the good word. The End Machine record, obviously, and all the Warrant Rocks and my socials are always Robert Mason Vox. So anything we can do to increase awareness for folks that we have music out there and to come and see shows when we play live and let's all get back to it. There you go, Robert Mason of The End Machine and Warrant. A huge thank you to John Freeman of Freeman Promotions for his continued support of our podcast. And of course, a massive thank you to Robert Mason for talking to us there for well over 30 minutes about The End Machine and Warrant and even, what, pro bull riding and Merle Haggard and all kinds of great stuff. If you have not checked out the albums, the studio albums that Robert Mason has done with Warrant, Rockaholic and louder, harder, faster. <clears throat> Please do that. Oh, you know, I, I know people, I know Robert Mason's even talked about it in interviews. You know, people haven't, you know, are set in their ways when it comes to nostalgia. You know, and when there's a band that has a singer that's not the original singer and they're putting out new music, a lot of people won't give it the time of day. But I promise you, this shit is fucking good. Oh, man, it's amazing, dude. Yeah. And I, I know that you're a, I mean, I'm a massive fan of it, and I know you might even be a slightly bigger fan somehow. Oh, man, Rockaholic <laughs> is just, fuck, it's rock power to the umpteenth degree. It's like everything you'd want from, a, like, these bands from that era that are trying to put stuff out now, this is what you want from that. Rockaholic is an amazing CD. Life's a song. Fucking, um, goddamn, uh, Sex Ain't Love. Fucking Louder, Harder, Faster. That Just that title track. Yeah. I mean, Big Sandy. Big Sandy. Hello. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Come on. This song Perfect to me is fucking perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's just that you've got to, you've got to check out these goddamn records. You have to. There's no excuse. Go online, stream it, whatever. This shit is, you know, if this is your era, it's up your alley. And if you're not listening to it yet, something's wrong in your mind. Yeah. And go see them live if that's something else you haven't done. They, you will not be disappointed. You've got all original members with Robert Mason on vocals, of course, in place of Jenny Lane, and it's fucking fantastic as well. So there you go. There's your homework. Two, the two most recent Warren albums and the two In Machine albums. Check them out. And, hell, Lynch Mob's second album, Tangled in Rains. There you go. Do it. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it on the way home tonight. Fuck it. Hell yeah. So speaking of all that, if this is your first time listening, we greatly appreciate it. We've been around, like we've said a few times, for over six years now. 318 episodes before this one. If you're into the stuff like Warrant and The End Machine, man, we've had a lot of those guys on. We mentioned Joey Allen to kick all that off. Early on, we had on Ian Hogland of Europe, which was another really cool one. We had on Mark Torian, Torian of the Bullet Boys. Jason mentioned Tracy Guns and Phil Lewis, both of L.A. Guns. Frank Cannon of Tesla has been on here three times. We've had on Brian Weed of Tesla now as well. Right. We've had on Mark Kendall of Great White twice. We've had on Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses. Bill Leverty of Firehouse. That's right. Bruce Kulick from Kiss. Gene Simmons from Kiss. Yep. Uh, Two members. Macaulay. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Of of course. That's another one. That's another one that's a favorite. That was a nice guy, man. A really nice gentleman. Yeah. I enjoyed that interview. Yeah, he's he's super awesome. He's been on here twice. We've had on hell, two members of Trickster. We've had on members of Lillian Axe, Nelson, Red Beach of Winger and Whitesnake. Right. We've had on, man, the list goes on and on in that, in that category. And, of course, Junkyard more than once. I mean, come on. We've got tons of metal stuff, tons of rock stuff. Like we said, Shooter Jennings. We even had on Vanilla Ice. Jason's right. Probably number 318 out of 319 episodes of Jason's list. I don't know what the worst one is, but I'm guessing it's down there. <laughs> yeah. 
probably. But it's well, pretty high on my list. I fucking had a great time. I, 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 well, I, I didn't take part in the Vanilla Ice episode, so I can't say nothing. Okay, okay. But yeah, Doyle would probably be the worst. Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, you had on, had on Comedians, Don Jameson. Hey, that, list, was, that was great. Yeah, the list is long and fruitful, so check it all out. TheThunderUnderground.com. Wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe so you don't miss us. Anytime you see one of our posts on any of the social medias, if you like it or share it, that's just an easy free way to help us out. And that helps out any band. You know, even if you think it doesn't, I promise you it does. So, click like all you can. All right. Check us out on all the socials. Give us a follow, all that great stuff. Once again, a huge thank you to Freeman Promotions, Robert Mason, Hella Hot Hot Sauce, DEB Concerts, Sunset Tattoo, and Med Farm. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.